Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. Okay, happy Friday. We made Hello. it. We survived. Barely. I feel great. No, I actually do feel good. I feel like I'm purging and I need a big drink. Do you? I think this has been a big week for me. You want to talk about it? Do you want to tell no, the world? Well, we can't yet. I mean, why not? It's your I'm, story. I want to wait till I. I uh, you want the, the into your exclusives out? <laughs> she was like planning her whole press tour around this. Alone in like. my head. <laughs> no, I, I just, I basically was on a friend's podcast. And I revealed something very personal about myself, and it led to this whole journey. Yeah. And of you like dipping back into your past. Oh, yeah. Which is like exhausting. It is exhausting. It involves men, lots of men. Oh, why do we give men so much? Yeah. And it's been interesting, but overall, I think the, the end result, and I'm being very vague here, so I apologize, I think would, will hopefully lead to one. Hopefully, I feel more at peace, <laughs> and I hope the people involved feel more at peace. Do you and feel at peace? I'm getting there. Okay. But it's a lot to go through, and then I hope those who listen also gain something from it and, you know, feel like they're not alone. It's very vague what I'm saying, so you probably don't get it. It involves something, <laughs> though, personal, and something that's very stigmatized. Okay. All right. If we're not going to tell them, we need to stop giving clues. I just think that... Um, you know, this is going to be a great example for Shira to find out that not everyone has to like her. Oh, great. More things to learn. God, I think that's I've a beautiful just life through is this learning. Journey. Life is learning. And you're and I've heard from, you know, producer Vanessa and Ryan that they're just learning through all my mistakes. Yes. Are you kidding me? That's that's what it so gets. So I get to, to struggle. That's why I surround torture. myself with elders. <laughs> <laughs> Holy mother. Because I get to learn from all my elders. Well, you want to keep up with all our adventures all the time. You know, me and Ryan are on Instagram, The Slay God, and yeah. I'm at Shira Lazar. So we, I mean, you have really no time. OMG, what happened? Yeah, your long story that said nothing. It wasn't even that long. All right. <laughs> Coming up, trans singer Ryan Casada is joining us. Oh, so stick around for that at uh, 4.35 p.m. Pacific, 7.35 p.m. Eastern. Outfest is happening this weekend, so lots happening. I really don't know if he's here for Outfest. He has a new song. But he's doing some of that, too. Well, we'll talk about it, hopefully. But uh, what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Well, um, I can actually save my entertainment news because you have a really good headline, right? Okay. All right. Let's do this. Let's do that. Uh, Governor Gavin Newsom shared his thoughts on the leading GOP recall election candidate, Larry Elder. You have someone that's not just opposed to a woman's right to choose. He is. 
but actually wrote an op-ed saying women are not as smart as men on issues of civic affairs, on issues of economics, on issues of politics. He's someone that doesn't believe in assault weapons ban. Someone that doesn't believe in a corporate tax should be zero. Doesn't even believe in a minimum wage. A fight for 15. He doesn't believe there should be a minimum wage. Be zero dollars. Doesn't believe the time of historic wildfires and droughts. The challenges we all face here in the Bay Area. The looming prospects of an earthquake. Doesn't even believe in FEMA. Thinks FEMA should be eliminated. Well, the recall election is happening in California Tuesday, September 14th. And a reminder to be part of this process, because guess what? If no Democrats show up, then the Republicans would possibly win, even if they don't even have a majority. Because no one's showing up for Newsom, because they think that this doesn't even matter. So we actually talked about this on our show this week, so you can go back at uh, weirdchannelq.com to see some of those highlights, or the Odyssey app search. Let's go there. And, of course, we got the T-Report coming up in the next hour, too, right? We sure do. And we're talking Nicki Minaj and her husband. They're in the headlines, and it's not for a good reason. Okay. Well, next up, more on the census data that shows the number of white people in the U.S. fell for the first time since 1790. That is next with The Washington Post. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, we reported on the census a while back when they were asking for the data. They were trying really hard, having a lot of issues, but it seems like they got some. And it shows that the number of white people in the U.S. fell for the first time since 1790. Tara Barampour, who's a social issues reporter at The Washington Post, joins us to break this down. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So was this finding surprising? No, it was actually expected. The uh, Census Bureau actually does estimates every year. And so they've been seeing for the past five years or so that there had been a decline among uh, people who self-report as white in the United States and increased uh, diversity. So all the growth in the country for the last five years has been coming from people who identify as something other than white or mixed. You know, I always wonder when, like, census and stuff, especially something like this one, my first thought was, like, I wonder what, like, extremist organizations like Proud Boys think about this because they're so rooted in kind of this pure, like, Puritan way of, like, we want to be pure and the race needs to be pure. I always wonder, do you think these censuses are, like, these type of findings kind of impact us culturally and how, you know, groups could become even more extremist in ways? I mean, I think that any sort of news, you know, for someone who wants to see it a certain way, they can. But it's actually a lot more complex than that. The way that people self-report themselves has actually changed over the years. And so part of what we're seeing is that, yes, there is a decline in the number of people who identify as white. But it's also when you think about those words, identify as, there's a lot more um, diversity and nuance in the way that they identify themselves. So someone who might have identified as white like a few decades ago now has much more of a sense of like what their background is and Girl, interesting. Wait, what? No, no, no. Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> we got to break this down real quick. Because you're telling me like, okay, if they take an ancestry test and they're finding out that there's something else and they today they decide, oh, I don't identify as white. They can just mark that and that means they're just not white even though they're probably white according to society? They can, well, who's society? I mean, they can, they can, they have an the option now. The way the systems are set up, than, when you look like white, they could, you're white. They have, they have an option now to say more than one thing. So a few decades ago, there was no option yeah, to that's do different. a mix, and okay. now they do. Interesting. Got it. So what will uh, be happening with this data? How will it be used? 
So this is used for redistricting. Um, States used to draw new districts every 10 years, and local governments and state legislators basically, um, you know, draw those those districts according to the race and ethnicity uh, data that comes out every 10 years. And uh, I guess from here, what happened? So they're they're going to be using it for that. But then, I mean, did they get what they needed to? I know that they were worried that they weren't going to get enough data. Yeah. Well, the worry was that the data was not going to be accurate because there were so many problems that beset the census in the last few years from the Trump administration trying to add a citizenship question and then trying to cut out undocumented people from being counted for apportionment. And there was a lot of legal battles over that. And then there was the coronavirus pandemic, which delayed the count for a few months. So it was just sort of the perfect storm of things happening to this census. So far, it's a little early to know about the accuracy, and there's going to be a lot of post-enumeration analysis and post-survey analysis going on. But the initial numbers pretty much are in line with the estimates. And so nobody yesterday was saying, oh, wow, this is really bad. Something is really off. But we just don't know yet. We're going to have to wait for, for people to get more data to be able to analyze that. So what do you think we can predict for the next census that comes around? Well, interestingly, you know, every census um, survey, you know, is is, is slightly cha- it, it's a it, they can change it. They can tinker with things. They're talking, um, and they have been for a while, about adding a new category, which would be Middle East and North African, which might mean that even more people who now identify as white would then have this other option. So, you know, again, the the optics are, are part of it. It's sort of like, you know, yes, there's a decline in, in the number of white people for various reasons. It's an older population, um, lower fertility rates, and so on. But but also, you know, the more categories we give people, the more options they're going to have. And so it's going to look like a more diverse society, which it is actually becoming. Okay. Well, thank you so much for making us understand all of it. That was Tara Barampour, a social issues reporter at The Washington Post. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Now coming up on the show, how the end of eviction protections could impact the LGBTQ community. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. 7.4 million Americans are behind on rent, according to the latest U.S. Census Bureau data. We actually were just talking about the census. Well, it continues, but a different side of it, of course. And it's a number that has doubled in the pandemic. LGBTQ folks are obviously disproportionately impacted as well. And Kate Sosin joins us right now, an LGBTQ plus reporter at the 19th. Welcome back. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So many are safe right now under eviction protections, but when will that end? Well, that's a that's a very good question. Um, so th- this is a really complicated um, situation for a lot of people because not everyone, first of all, is protected, right? The eviction moratorium that we have now is targeted to about 90% of um of all renters because of this, this new eviction moratorium only can, can target 90% of the country. So, so it's not everyone is covered um, and it is temporary. Um, and so it's really important to note that um, this new um, one is supposed to be up in September, um, but we have seen people who are continually continuing to see evictions being filed um, and they still owe money. 
Yeah, and that's so awful to hear because I just can't help but think about how this administration, um, specifically, you know, Joe Biden, kind of promised to be very pro-LGBTQ. And I think in times like this, do you think there's still a disconnect on even the everything going on? Yes, it's affecting the whole country, but it's even doubly affecting queer folks and trans folks in this country. Like, it, it, do you think they understand that this level of it when it comes to what it means to protect LGBTQ, fo- you know, folks? So this is a really complicated issue in part because so the Supreme Court came back and said that, you know, that the Biden administration actually had to allow this the blanket eviction moratorium to expire and so the Biden administration sort of was saying, we have to allow this to happen. And then a lot of people were saying, this is unacceptable. We're going to see so many people kicked out of their houses as the Delta variant surged. And so there is a question about how long this new moratorium, which is not a blanket moratorium, is going to be allowed to stay in place. And so I, I don't know that the question is really about um, the Biden administration's con- commitment to LGBTQ people in this, but it's whether or not um, this moratorium will be allowed to stay in effect because of the Supreme Court and the legality of that. The Biden administration decided, um, look, we have to go ahead with this, and uh, this is likely may not hold up in court, and uh, we have to do it anyway. In covering this story, what did you discover? You know, um, we discovered that a lot of people are in tricky situations for a lot of things that we already knew, but they are compounded, right? So what we, what we know is that LGBTQ people are already facing um, poverty and homelessness at greater rates than their straight cisgender peers, which, which we already knew. But a lot of queer people uh, and trans people came out during the pandemic. They had, they had the time, the space, the freedom to do that because we were all locked inside um, in our houses and maybe we weren't going to work and we had the space and the freedom to maybe explore gender in new ways, um, to explore coming out in new ways and going back to a job that may not be supportive now presents a really scary challenge for folks who have been out of work or who've been working remotely and who may face discrimination. So on top of this issue of facing evictions or facing having to go back to work or facing, you know, a job market, we're also facing a job market where um, the the temperature um, for queer people is it's a little dicey, right? We've had the Trump administration in office for so long. We have a lot of anti-trans bills. Trans people feel physically afraid in a lot of parts of the country. And a lot of people have come out and have to face a job market in that climate. And so um, a lot of people are navigating a job market where they now feel afraid um, to be themselves. And that is presenting a huge challenge for a lot of folks as the Biden administration tries to put in place some laws and protections, what we're seeing in state legislatures is this huge rollback trying to, um, you know, criminalize kids playing sports on teams where they're affirmed or getting health care. And there's a huge disconnect for queer folks who are trying to navigate the world again um, and access some of these mm-hmm. basic needs. Yeah, well, a lot to think about as we continue to move into these spaces and see where things go. Uh, thank you for your reporting about this and for continuing to come on the show to talk about it. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's always a delight. Well, that was Kate Sosin, an LGBTQ plus reporter focusing on transgender rights, incarceration, politics and public policy at the 19th. Next up, would you give up your extra leg room seat for a family on a flight? What this guy went through and now folks are calling him out. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The internet is debating whether it was okay for a guy who paid for extra legroom on a flight to refuse to move so a family could sit together. And so here's what happened. The man, as I mentioned, paid for extra seat, you know, for a seat with extra leg room at the front of the plane. And he was asked to give up his seat for a family of six. He refused to move. You know, it was a 10 hour flight and said he was given dirty looks for the rest of the flight. He actually posted this on Reddit. I guess he outed himself before he was outed. Maybe the family was going to say something. I don't know. He said, I paid a small amount extra for a seat that is in front, the coach seat that has a wall. Okay, he said that. Two adults, two, two children, eight-ish, two infants, would like to fill this row of four, the flight attendant said. And they asked him to move, and he said, well, I paid for this. And so the response was that the other seat that they would give them was the exact same but didn't have extra leg room. And he goes, no, that's not doesn't work for me. So now he was wondering, is this wrong? Is he in the wrong for not moving? Because it seems like on the flight everyone was giving him dirty looks, and it forced one of the kids to sit alone. What would you have done? That ain't my problem. I don't care if that kid's sitting alone. The, if the parents wanted that seat, they should have bought that damn seat. I, I bought this seat because it gave me extra, because my legs are long, and I want to yeah. spread out. I don't care about no kid. So here's I barely want to see you. I, I blame this less. I mean, the fact that we put this on the passengers, when this is really on the, the airline, right? One, the airline should be able to work better with families. It sucks that families have to go through this, because it's hard to book all these seats together, including if you have a big family. That said, you shouldn't put it on the passenger. You should know that that's, it's, it's a possibility that someone's going to be sitting by themselves and so playing correctly. Well, that's I don't thing. think it's on the airlines either. That's well, no, but in business. Reddit, a lot of the families said, like, it's harder than you think to book 
as a family. But then, and That's then when you, you get you get to the flight, you hope for maybe good Samaritans to do something. This guy, though, I'm like I agree. What? I'm not moving. Yeah. I mean, so are you moving? You're moving. Oh my God, you're so no, nice. So here's you're the thing: <laughs> you're totally moving. So here's the thing: she's like, oh my God, yes, of course, <laughs> I will move everything. Well, listen, I had a window seat and everything, but no, go ahead. I've done it before. Disgusting. I have done it before because in my head, I always think I'm I'm gaining points. Like I think I'm in the good place or something. Like I'm like I'm gaining points for when I have a family and if weird stuff happens, I'll have known I put in the the good juju for myself. No, the good juju was that you spent your money, your hardworking money on that seat that you earned because you bought it. And then, no, I'm sorry. That's not how that works. I agree. The thing is, like, for me, I feel like if you are in a position where you need that, like, if you're a tall person, like, you need that. Even if you're not, you can be the shortest person ever. You can be one of Santa's (laughs) elves and still want to sit at that seat. I agree. I think the airline should have then, if you're going to ask someone to move, give, give them first class. You know, people are so anal about first class. It's not, it's it's amazing. It's not that amazing. You can give a free seat once in a while. Speak for yourself. I like first class. No meaning, but like, they act like, oh, we can't give a free, oh, that we can't give up. Like, yeah. when they want you to do something, it's and you're like, capitalism. okay, give me a free, first class seat. Oh, no, first it's class. It's literally capitalism. First class? Well, we can't, sorry. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let us know what you would have done at LGT shows, where you can find us in social media. Coming up, Donald Trump Jr., uh, he attacked pronouns. And it's an attack that none of us needed. More details next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying your Friday hanging out with us. Now coming up, why is Friday the 13th a suspicious day? Because I forgot that it was Friday the 13th. Yeah, I, I feel like it's only specific, like, what's the word? Suspicious. Suspicious. Suspicious when you're like a kid and you think know. it's like, oh. I don't know. I think as an adult, you don't really care about All Friday right. the 13th. Well, we'll see. Unless you're a big fan of Halloween. No, or like maybe you're someone who like connects with certain energy stuff. I feel like if you're into astrology, you're definitely maybe into Friday the 13th. No one cares. Who knows? That's in 15 minutes. Well, we have someone actually who's an expert. Yeah. Producer Vanessa cares. Where's your compassion? Like I said. Also, also, uh, why Nicki Minaj broke down. That is in the T-Report in a moment. Shira's not allowed to tease any more of my T-Report stories. Why Nicki Minaj freaked out. That's in the T-Report. That's still not even it. (laughs) She sounded pretty mad. She is upset, but that wasn't the video. That was a video from somewhere else. I can't even keep up with all her freakouts. Oh, my God. All right. Let's get into someone's turning this hour. (laughs) With the U.S. pulling out of Afghanistan, they've seen a quick Taliban resurgence. Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby responded on whether the U.S. were caught off guard by this. We have been watching this uh, from a a very early period, uh, right after the president uh, gave us the order to draw down. We certainly have been watching what the Taliban is doing. We we have noted, and we have noted with great concern, uh, the speed with which they have been moving um, and the... um, uh, and the lack of resistance that they have faced. And we have been nothing but honest about that. And I think I'll leave it there. Meanwhile, Donald Trump Jr. attacked the U.S. military on Twitter, saying that it failed to predict that the Taliban would launch a strike at Kabul, Afghanistan, because, listen to what why he, he blamed them or what he blamed them for, Ryan. Generals were too busy learning about transgender people. He said, I can only assume that General Mark Milley was too busy reading the latest CRT literature 
and learning about the 97 genders along with their requisite pronouns to pay much attention to such trivial matters. I mean, can't make this stuff up. I can't. Uh, Millie was questioned by Republican members of Congress in June who said that the military is teaching critical race theory because a book about racism appeared on the curriculum of an elective course. And uh, he said in response, I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the U.S. military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying theories that are out there. I remember that clip actually we played it. Yeah, he was like, are you kidding me? Get out of here. Now, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, said today that July was the world's hottest month ever recorded. We, as humans, lived through the hottest month of the world's history. Well, to be honest, I didn't really feel it. I I got really good air conditioning in my house. (laughs) I do. I'm actually very shocked by, because it's a a wall air conditioner. Happy if you want to live inside your whole life. I will. Honest, are you kidding me? That sounds lovely. Wasn't there that uh, Brandon Fraser uh, movie where he's in that bubble? Bubble Boy? No, it's not Bubble. It's like Aqua. No. All right. I'll get back to that. (laughs) After the T-Report, you'll get an answer. We should Uh, all take a bet one day that Shira is going to like say something that she actually knows the reference to. I Actually, I've been good at it. And sometimes (laughs) Brandon Fraser. Let's see how quick I am. This is why, like, Siri. It's my turn. All right. Let's get into some entertainment news. What's going on? Oh, gosh, it's time for the Tea Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. And, yeah, this is a really interesting story um, where Nicki Minaj and her husband are being sued by... Oh, my God, this story, trigger warning, by the way, before I go into the story, because it has to do with her husband's criminal past. Um, You know, he basically is a a registered sex offender because uh, he attempted to like rape someone back in the 90s and basically this person has been trying to speak out about it and apparently Nikki has been trying Nikki and uh, him and other people part of her team have been harassing her and like trying to pay her off to either change her story or to like uh, they've either threatened her uh, basically they've threatened her her life They've paid to try, tried to pay her off like up to five hundred thousand dollars, and she's had to move. And now she's like speaking out about it because there's so many things where she uh, now kind of has filed another um, legal document saying that Nikki and Kenneth have directly and indirectly harassed her and threatened her to not speak about the incident. And she says they've inflicted emotional distress upon her as a result. Now I don't know if this is real or if this is true, but. This has happened for sure, and um, it's really wild because if this is true, this woman has been going through it where she claims that Minaj called her and offered to fly her and her family to Los Angeles in exchange for recanting her rape claims against him. And then she also declined, and within days she said she and her family suffered an onslaught of harassing calls and unsolicited visits. She said shortly after, she claims Nikki had people reach out um, to her brother and offer a $500,000 payment in exchange for a statement. This is wild. You know, and I feel like now that you think about it, Nikki was just like kind of being rude to Jesse J out of nowhere. I wonder if she did that to like maybe try to cover up the attention that this news was going to come out with. You know, if you cover oh. it up with another story. Wow. I don't yeah. know. It's really intense. But that's your T-Report. If you want to know more, head over is, to the website. Is this enough to ruin her career now? Like, or like? To be honest, think? I think she already has a, such a. Um, people don't really like her. 
anymore. Really? And it's unfortunate because um, she's kind of done this. Yeah, that's the Nikki saga. Uh, okay. Let us know your thoughts, though. We're moving on. That's your T-Report. Well, next up, uh, why is Friday the 13th so unlucky? What's the meaning of the su- suspicious, suspicious, superstitious? That is a word of the day. See? That is a hard word. Superstitious day. We're going to explain all about it next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. There are a number of theories around why Friday the 13th such an unlucky day. Well, that was an unlucky way to get into this. We could have done better on time in there. That was an unlucky way because I pressed the button and it just wasn't coming. <laughs> All right. Well, Nina Khan is back with us, astrologer and author of The Joy of Hex, to talk about how uh, Friday thir- the 13th became such a superstitious day. Nina, welcome back. Hello, Ryan and Shira. Thank you for having me. Hey, girl. Hey, wait a second. Don't don't say anything else. Oh, God. This is going to keep going there on. There you go. We have to just... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, I needed that. I yes, needed that in my intro, intro here. Music. Yes. <laughs> so, where did Friday the 13th come from? Like, how did it become the day it is? Yeah. So, obviously, Friday the 13th has a bit of a bad reputation. And there are a lot of interpretations about why. But I've always understood the origins as actually tracing back to the Bible, So if we rewind to the Last Supper in Christianity, that dinner party had 13 guests, which was Jesus and his 12 apostles, right? So according to biblical legend, the 13th guest, which was Apostle Judas, betrayed Jesus. And then, of course, the next day, Jesus was crucified, and that was on a Friday, also known as Good Friday. So over time, this correlation between Friday and 13 became associated with evil doing or bad luck. And it seems to have really taken off in more recent times, like in the past hundred years or so. Wow. I had no clue that that was the actual, like, I guess, a origin story of Friday the 13th. So how has it shifted? Because yeah. I, I think, I feel like obviously it has like this unluckiness attached to it. But do you think that right. as things change, you think that will possibly change and Friday the 13th won't be so superstitious? I actually think it could change because, you know, it's also a cultural thing. So my mom is Sicilian and in Sicilian culture, 13 is actually considered a lucky number. So I always grew up feeling excited about Friday the 13th and thinking that it was a day that would bring good luck. So, you know, I think intention has a lot to do with how we experience things. And if we believe and put energy toward expecting bad things will happen to us for no logical reason, Hmm. we sort of start mentally inviting that negativity right and creating these correlations between like oh no this bad thing happened on friday the 13th and so it must be unlucky but we can kind of also use that in reverse and believe that good things will happen to us and sort of you know start paying attention to the positive things that happen in association with whatever date i love that i think i'm all about that because i do think we tend to give too much credit or uh to these these things and i'm i'm the first one that's intrigued by you know astrology or theories and this that but at the same time it's amazing how it could shift our way of looking at things uh, just a theory of something right right and how different cultures actually associate the number 13 with good luck and then you know here in the western world and in america there's like you know the friday the 13th slasher movies and there's even Triskaidekaphobia, which is a fear of the number 13, like an actual clinical name for it, I which is so that. interesting. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah, so it's really fascinating. Triska, this is the longest phobia name, by the way. Triskaidekaphobia. 
Yeah, fear of the number 13. And actually, I think there's an even more wild looking word that is specifically relating to the fear of Friday the 13th and not just the number 13. So fun, weird fact. And so I guess uh, what do we you're in a, you're also into astrology and all this stuff or uh, you're into yeah. this world. So how can we reimagine a day like this today? So actually, the number 13 in numerology is not unlucky. It's more about transformation and change. So we can kind of look at this by thinking of the number 12. The number 12 energy is very much associated with completion. So like we've got 12 months in a year, 12 inches in a foot, 12 zodiac signs, um, 12 a.m. and p.m. hours in a day, 12 pieces in a dozen, right? We've got all of these vibes of completeness with the number 12. But then we go up to 13 and we're sort of launched beyond that level of completeness into something new. So we can think of this energy as about finding a new foundation and sort of stepping into the unknown. And the unknown can be scary, right? There's a resistance to change that we have. So that could kind of explain how 13 has this sort of scary unknown vibe, but this energy also reminds us that we can be willing to transform ourselves and really embrace the great unknown instead of resisting it. I'm feeling that today. <laughs> I feel like I'm uh, yeah, definitely it's, feeling it's into cool this time. Vibe. Yes, I love Yeah, it. and also in astrology, Fridays are ruled by the planet Venus, which is, of course, the goddess of love and romance and beauty and money and all of that great stuff. So if we think of Friday the 13th in those terms, we can actually find a lot of magic here. You know what? Um, this sounds beautiful, but I I just don't believe it. <laughs> and I think, I think you know. <laughs> oh come on, Ryan! Ryan is wearing a crystal around his neck right now. Girl, I bought this this okay. t- this twelve dollar uh, crystal at ASOS. Yeah, it's a fashion. <laughs> it's a fashion thing. Um, no, but I I do think it's really interesting uh, about Friday the Thirteenth, and maybe we should all watch a scary movie or something. I don't know. I think that's a great way to celebrate it as a horror fan myself. But, you know, if, if you want to get into it, then I think just adopt the Sicilian's view of it and think of it as a lucky day and sort of believe that magical good things are going to happen to you today. And hey, you never know. Maybe it'll work. Maybe you'll attract that energy into your life. I'm down with that right now. Thank <laughs> of course you, so you much. are. It can't hurt. <laughs> Nina, Nina, it can't hurt, right? Nina Khan, thank you so much for joining us again. Uh, Nina's an astrologer and author of The Joy of Hex. We hope to have you back. Have a great Friday Thank the 13th. You. Happy Friday the 13th. Thank you both. Next up, what to do with a friend who constantly puts their partner down as a joke. But is it really a joke? We're here to help next. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We've all been there. We've had a friend who constantly puts down their partner uh, as a joke, you know, and it's kind of funny, but kind of awkward. Well, what do you do about it? Dr. Josh Klepo is... It's not a joke, then, if it's funny or awkward. Well, if it's awkward or weird. Well, we want to get into it. 
And you know that's that's different for every person. That means a joke doesn't land, right? Got it. If people don't are in on the joke and they don't get it, that means you know. You know, Ryan's the so, joke master here. No, I'm not. I'm just saying that's what that would mean, right? Yeah, perhaps. Doctor Josh, Josh is back with us. He's a clinical psychologist. Thanks for joining us again. I am funnier than Shira, though. <laughs> you're that person. You're that person. Hi, Doctor Josh. What do you have to say? Hey, Ryan. <laughs> so, um. I actually like Ryan's. I like Ryan's take on it because, <clears throat> I mean, if it's one time or a couple times, you know, you think, well, maybe, maybe that's just the way they are. We're, we're missing something. But when it starts feeling awkward, um, that's kind of your signal that either it, you know, it, like you said, if it's a joke, it's not landing, or they're engaging in something that is not quite right. And mm. what I think is really interesting is it shows a lot of. Uh, emotional, psychological immaturity, particularly if it happens over and over again. It's like this telltale sign of an immature couple. That's interesting. So with that said, if you recognize this is happening, how do you bring it up with a friend? I I think you have to make a choice about whether you bring it up or not. Right? So so if you think about it, um, usually when couples are picking on each other publicly, frequently, um, and particularly if it's both of them, you know, it's kind of going back and forth. Um, it's either, you know, one, they kind of want, it's, it's a little bit of a show-off thing. It's a little bit of a um, bring your argument to the audience. It's something that, you know, very often has been resolved at home. Or what I think is more interesting, it's probably a couple that doesn't have a, uh, is not that good at communicating directly. And it's, it's easier to communicate in front of a, um, an audience, to be honest with you, um, because you're looking for that validation. I think where, where you go is the person that you're closest to. I mean, I, you don't necessarily sit them out and down as a couple, but you kind of ask. And, and to, to Ryan's point, like, what's going on? You, you know, help me under the classic psychologist. Help me understand. Yeah, are you Y'all okay? Picking on each other a lot. Yeah, like, can you yeah, explain well, or can you explain what's going on? Like, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm well, hoping I'm not, you're ha- you know. I don't think it's appropriate for anyone to like sit down a couple if they're not like a licensed not a therapist. Couple. Well, no, but when I, you like, say your, your friends, fr- I would talk to your fr- I would talk to my friend and say, "Hey, this is something that I've noticed. Y'all good?" Yeah. But it's in, yeah. inherently the friend's, you know, responsibility because I do think there's a lot of people's have has boundaries and unfortunately they have to kind of learn yeah. lessons on their own because if I come in and they don't take my notes nicely or if it's like co-language between them and their partner and that's just how they talk then i'm gonna look like the you know the a-hole that's like inserting themselves into something right well and and that's the thing i don't think you have to say are are you okay because i feel like that's too that's too much of a red flag I, i like the awkward thing i mean what you're basically saying to them either one or the or both is hey that it's a little weird when y'all do that. What, what, what is that? So it's more, it's more of a joke not landing than immediately going to, you know, something bad. Because what that does is that sends a signal to them that you and the rest of the world who's around them, it, it's not landing. Something's not right. And in, any, in many ways, it's forcing them to look at themselves as compared to us saying, is something wrong? Because then it's easy for them to say, no, nah, nothing's wrong. We're good. 
Yeah, you know, I will say this. I I feel like I am the type of person who enjoys banter in my relationship. Like I love mm-hmm. to, like kind of having someone who can like take it and then also kind of swing it back. And like we have that 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 consent of knowing this is how we joke on it. We either joke yeah. on each other or we understand our each other's humor. And so for me, I wonder yeah. if there's um, that line where it you know you just you think it's okay but then it could be crossed and you just don't realize because you're so used to it being okay. Well, and see, that's exactly why I think what you do as a friend is you kind of, you're kind of saying that you're like, well, that seems strange to me. And they may say, Hey, we do this all the time. You know, the, the red flag that you're looking for to be honest with you is when it's really one way, when they're not going back and forth and mm. it's one, if you will, kind of jokingly picking on another that concerns me much more than the back and forth. I mean, the back and forth may be weird. It may be awkward. It may be sort of crossing some boundaries. But if it looks like one's kind of verbally beating up on the other, even in a joking way, then I get much more concerned. Mm-hmm. Okay, a lot to think about. And hope this helped someone out there who might be going through this. But I, I, I think a lot of times someone might be realizing I'm in that relationship, right? Meaning like, I'm I'm not the friend watching, looking at my friends, but I'm in that situation. Well, and that's all I was going to say quickly is if you're the one where your partner is publicly, even if it's in a joking manner, sort of picking on you and doing that over and over again, it, you have to say something. Because if you don't, then you're teaching that person that that's the way you, you can be treated and you're okay with it. And if you're not okay with it, you need to say something. Otherwise, they don't necessarily know. Agreed. Well, that was Dr. Josh Clapo. Thank you so much again. We love having you. Thanks, guys. You have a good weekend. You too. Next up, a mom is calling out the double standard and letting masks be optional at school. Does her argument make sense? We debate that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All the recent debates over mask mandates at schools have now moved into dress codes. So this is what one Tennessee mother is doing. She is insisting that her daughter doesn't have to adhere to her high school's rules for what and what not to wear. She's clapping back. This is interesting. The mom's letter to the Hamilton County Schools board members from Chattanooga in the surrounding region. Oh, wow, you region. said that right. Chattanooga. Yeah, I feel like that's obvious. Like You just read it out. It's pretty, like, Chattanooga. Anyway, um, they, uh, she insists that the dress code is misogynistic and detrimental to the self-esteem of young women. She also took the opt-out option offered on the school's mask mandate to be a blanket opt-out applying to all things worn, not just masks. And uh, someone uh, shared this note on Twitter. And as of this morning, it had garnered more than 24,000 likes and nearly 5,000 retweets. This guy, Mark Elliott. Um, who says, kudos to this Chattanooga mom telling a Tennessee school board that her daughter is now opting out of all school dress code restrictions. <laughs> so what do you think about this? Uh, should we be changing dress codes? If if we're going to say that we don't need to wear masks, should the same happen for uh, uniforms yeah. or dress codes? Well, uniforms are the worst anyway. Like, I never really understood There's uniforms. two things I think I did about not like. I did not like dress codes when I was younger. Um, I feel like they're very unnecessarily strict. I think it it, uh, it 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 causes children to not have a creative way of thinking sometimes because they just want them to be focused like on their studies, and it's so stupid. And specifically in this case, and I dealt with this, it calls out women. It calls out 
yeah, girls that are attending saying that, oh, you need to cover up. And that begins to create the stigma around what we wear and assuming it's sexual or bad if it, you're showing some skin, right? What, producer Vanessa? She put up her hand. Why'd you say it like that? What? What, producer Vanessa? I agree with what you guys had to say about uniforms, but also I like uniforms because you don't have to think about I it. I agree. You know, for someone who is. You should just get uniforms. Yeah, exactly. Masks. No. Uniform masks. The, like, yeah, like, well, I'm, just, I'm assuming they give them out. Like, if you're yeah, going to, like, that'd be cool to have your own mask mascot, to have a mascot. It's already in the word. You don't have to, you don't have Get to, it. just mascot. But a mascot, Scott, you know, anyway. Remember when I said I was funnier than Shira? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this is another take on it. But I think this is now getting, I agree with her, this is now kind of getting, um, Everything, oh, it's complicating things. I think every, you're going to be seeing people add layers. It's like, oh, you think you're right? Well, I'm going to show you. And we're going to see one person bring up new things. Like every, I feel like this opens up a whole uh, Pandora's box of things that people can bring up. Right? It's going to, like, we need to keep it simple. Let's just focus on COVID. Let's focus on these masks. Of course, there's misogyny. Of course, there's all these other things. And this definitely brings that up and use it as a way to bring it up. But I mean, we got to stay focused here, right? Or else a lot of distractions will come up. So what do you think about this argument at LGT shows where you can find us on social media? But next up, could Rachel Maddow be leaving MSNBC? Why execs are worried. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now coming up, we have got singer-songwriter and trans activist Ryan Casada joining us in 30 minutes. Stick around. You know, I have a... Um, oh. I know Ryan. Ryan yeah. performed out, uh, out Loud Raising Voices at cool. the LA Coliseum during Pride Month, where I got to speak to them. So I'm very, very excited that they're coming on the show, Home Turf. They're great artists, so yeah. let's chit-chat with them we, for a little bit. We love featuring artists here, up-and-coming artists, including artists from the community. So yeah, that's in uh, 30 minutes. And Ryan's got some divorce tea coming up yeah, uh, from one of not. your favorite pop stars. Well, you could say it. I, I'll let you say this one because you won't believe how much Kelly Clarkson makes per month. It's incredible. It's great. It's inspiring, isn't it? You know? <laughs> or it just makes you feel uh, like depressed. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, we're not going to negativity. Okay, let's get into some what's trending this hour. <laughs> Texas lawmakers and officials continue to take aim at trans youth. The Texas Department of Family and Protective Services released a letter yesterday calling gender affirm- affirmation surgery for legal minors child abuse. And that followed a request from the state's governor. Uh, gender affirming surgery in minors is actually rare. And instead, a focus of gender affirming health care is usually spent on social transitioning for the child or the use of reversible hormone blockers. And that's according to a report from the Texas Tribune. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott's letter to um, Masters compares gender affirm- affirmation surgery to sterilization and female genital mutilation. This just goes really extreme. And of course, LGBTQ plus groups and Advocates are just saying that this is ridiculous, inflammatory language that will only harm trans kids. Now, MSNBC execs are reportedly scrambling to figure out what they'll do if host Rachel Maddow doesn't renew her contract next year. The anchor dominated the primetime news shows and often carries the network to the top spot over their rivals, CNN and Fox News. And she has hosted her show since 2008. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what she does. 
And I wonder when these things get leaked, if it's like, who's leaking it? Is it the network or is it her team to like freak them out so that maybe like they meet her where she wants to be? Um, yeah, I mean, maybe both, but as there's no such thing as loyalty anymore, if you're being quite honest. Um, and so whatever comes out, it's, it's, it, it sucks. The people in the view always talk about it as well. Like Megan, she talks about, she hates people who leak things, but that's a part of the culture, unfortunately now. Unless you're Oprah or Beyonce. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, that was some What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, right? Oh, my God. Kelly Clarkson's messy divorce um, just got a little better for her, actually. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So I'm not sure if you've been following everything, but last month it was reported that Clarkson was temporarily ordered to pay her um, her ex-husband nearly $200,000 in monthly spousal support and child support. She was also ordered to pay all of his legal fees, which had amounted of $1.25 million as of that time. Well, honey, guess what? The judge has fully upheld their prenumped agreement, um, and the agreement report, reportedly segregated all assets and income um, derived during her marriage to the, you know, her former husband. The ex has been fighting that prenup in order to split all of their properties and all of the ranches and everything, and. The funny thing is, it says when she received this email confirming this win for her, she literally let out a scream on the set of The Voice and celebrated because she's like, I don't have to pay this man all this money and nothing like anything else. But my thing is the reason why, if you're wondering, because, you know, we nosy over here, uh, if you're wondering why she would have to pay him so much money, she makes, it's insane. She makes $1.5 million per month. That's amazing. Like, and now... She's only, I think now she only have to likely pay child support, which will cost her like $50,000 per month, which is like chump change to her. Which is nice. If you're a kid getting 50000 a month, I guess, you know, yeah. Like, that, well, most of that I'm hoping is going to like trust fund and, and, and like college funds. I think and, that's separate. This, no, child support is literally like what what's she need. What, what's the kids need $50,000 a month for? That's disgusting. <laughs> but that's going to be me one day with my kids. <laughs> no, I'm just okay. <laughs> no, that's your team report. I got more coming up next hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. You know, one of my favorite things is really just shouting out some really cool, amazing artists, especially if you make them queer and you make them art, make them trans. Honey, it's just like the like a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and honestly i'm so excited to bring our next guest on ryan casada i met him at the raising voices out loud festival hashtag gaychella um and he was just a he was just a light he was so wonderful and a, such an artist that i was like we got to bring him on so you all can get to know him more so let's bring on singer songwriter and trans activist ryan casada welcome to let's go there Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Are you kidding me? How have you been since I last saw you? I mean, you performed in the Los Angeles Coliseum, what feels like, honestly, like six months ago. <laughs> but yeah. it, it was just during Pride Month in June. How how have you been since then? I've been doing well. I've been wrapping up an album, getting ready to release. So I've just been, you know, grinding 
No, it's 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 amazing, right? Because I think that was such a, a beautiful experience. And you've had such an amazing career where I know you've been working to release like your most personal work. Can you tell us a little bit about this? What your eighth studio album that's about to drop? Talk to us about that. Yeah, the album is called Magic Miracle Mile. It's coming out late October. It's mostly an album about heartbreak. It's about a breakup. It's about also just feeling um, othered because I'm trans and just like dealing with the grief of that. I think that COVID and like being quarantined, my tour getting canceled gave me a lot of time to reflect on my life and process some things that I never got to process. So the album goes into that and, you know, it showcases the beauty of it. And I think there's always a lot of growth and heartbreak. So you know, it's all worth it. And this album came out of it. Yeah, you know, that seemed, honestly, obviously COVID was such a an interpersonal moment where you could really kind of reflect on who you are as a person and where you're going in the future. And I wonder, do you ever, have you ever gotten hesitant about like revealing too much about your experience to your fans and in, in your music? Like what's off limits? Oh yeah, 100%. Like for this album, like a lot of these songs were to process what I was going through. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm never going to release this. But then after putting like 40 hours into like producing a beat, I was just like, okay, yeah, I'm definitely releasing this because you know, I spent so much time on it. So, (laughs) and you know, people, people are all going through the same thing. I mean, like you, if you, even if you listen to the radio, like everyone is going through something and, everyone could use something to relate to so no it's so true and i and i even think about like because are you an independent artist are you doing this all yourself yeah it's all diy oh my god how is that experience because i cannot imagine being an independent artist right now is it do you enjoy it? are you enjoying having control of your process yeah i love it i mean having creative control is like the best thing that you could have as an artist so I am very grateful for it because I got to, I produced this record. It's my first time producing my own music and recording myself. And I got to do it. I got to experiment a lot and that wouldn't have been possible really if I was on a label. Yeah. Cause of course, you know, the label season, they're like, no, this is where we want you to go. But are we, can we expect now, you know, shows are coming back. Like this is a moment, right? Are you excited about hopping in back into live shows again? What does that feel like for you? Oh, yeah. I'm super stoked to be performing. It was such a long time without performing, so I'm just, like, extra grateful for getting to perform. I'm playing at Outfest Party in L.A. this Sunday at Bar Franca, so that will be fun. Yes. To be with the community and, you know, play some live music. So tell me, uh, as we wrap up here, tell me when your album comes out again. Let the world know where everyone can just be obsessed with you. Because I am, of course. Thank you. Magic Miracle Mile drops on October 22nd on all streaming platforms. Yes, yes. I am so excited for the world to continue to know who you are as just an amazing person. And I really appreciate you for coming on Let's Go There. Seriously, you're a star. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. We got more show coming up. Don't go anywhere. Ryan Casada, thank you so much for joining the show again. More Let's Go There coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So, you know, we go through the advice column archives. We always find interesting questions. And this one really resonated. This person asked, do I 
need uh, to be an activist on social media because supposedly this person is being shamed for not doing enough on her social media platform. And this brings up a bigger question. I think that, you know, with everything, uh, with, with social media being where it is at its peak and everything also happening in terms of social justice being at uh, its peak, it feels like the right thing to do is to be sharing these things. But it might not feel right for everyone or might not feel quote unquote authentic. But what is your take? Should this person be shamed for not posting enough? Well, one, you forgot to add in all the context and nuance of this. Uh, She is a white woman who works at a pro-racial justice nonprofit. She's done so her entire career. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) She's actively making decisions in her own life, schools, neighbors, you know, to live in her values. But she said she feels guilty because she didn't engage publicly on activism. My thing is, how do you work in that space and not use your social media, which is the extension of you, um, to like be in that space? Like, I understand maybe wanting to take a a back seat, but like when it comes to like the work that is, and it's specifically pro racial justice work, it would seem like you would want to get the the like that's the work that you signed up for. Nobody asked you from any of the communities that you are standing up for to do this work. So for me, it's kind of like, what is she complaining about? It seems like she just wants to back away from it all versus Mm. backing away from it on social media. And so for me, it's like, you need to come up with this, you know, come up with the solution for yourself because at the end of the day, it's kind of a privilege and it seems like you're just complaining. Yeah, like look at, you know, look at the problem and how you want to take accountability for it versus blaming it on everyone else for making you feel bad. It's just really interesting and how tone deaf that is. Yeah, to kind of complain about it. It's also, opinion. and that goes back to the, the yeah, the nuance and the context is important here because it's not like she works for a beauty company, right? And then she's like, I'm not, I'm getting shamed because I'm not putting the beauty stuff. Like I think in other cases where other things you do, a lot of people could work for a company, right? And what their personal social is is different than their company social. Yeah, but in this case, it's a bit different. Yeah, and it's like you don't have to, like. I, I just find it, it's like, I understand the right to not wanting to post, like, your social media is your social media, but, like, also, it just feels like, yeah, that's your work that you're doing your work in, and maybe actively, well, I guess for me, how is she reaching her community that follows her on social media? Like, if she's doing all this pro-justice work, then, like, why is social media the place where she feels like she needs to remain silent? When that feels like you may be able to reach a little bit more folks who are not in like near you every single day. The other thing is, if this is also the other side, and I agree with that. A lot of people we forget, like unless I don't know if she's an influencer or whatever. A lot of people just because they do this for their work, like it is their passion, it is their work. They're doing this for another company. It doesn't mean they're active on their own socials. Like a lot of people haven't posted but for a- years. Activism is different. She's calling herself an activist, which means your work is happening whether you're on the clock or off the clock. Being an activist is oh, yeah. not a, a clock but in clock out situation. A lot of people situation. could be, and I think producer Vanessa brought this up. Like she could be doing the work offline, but just not posting it online she is but that's also in my opinion kind of tone deaf i I think it's like the fact that she's complaining about it when it's just like where do you want to sit like what do you want to do do you do you obviously want to do the work 
that you're doing that where you don't have to brag about it. That's cool, I guess. But it still feels like you would look at, especially in activism work, social media is actually used as a tool in ways. And so I would I would think you would want to post about that stuff. Or do you want the people who follow you, who may be friends or family, to not know that you're doing this type of work? What are you ashamed of? Yeah. Is the, my opinion. The uh, the person who was, and I agree, the person who responded to this, the you know, we should answer these uh, questions, too, because we, we have some good answers. But they said, I would suggest taking a step back and assessing the impact you want to have in the world and how you're doing with that. It sounds like you've made some very intentional choices, including by dedicating your entire career to racial justice and are not by any stretch of the imagination silent. In fact, you might very well be more con- doing more concrete work than many of the people who casually repost the memes, which is true. Yeah, I do think there's a performative element that is a a reason to bring that up. But because she's doing the work outside of social media as well, I just find this idea that she's willing to hide her social media or separate that really telling. Yeah, so this is and 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 finally we'll wrap this up because I, I find this actually fascinating. This uh, person said, are you all for social justice until someone gets mad at you or criticizes That's you? That's what I'm saying. It's kind of offensive that she's if, sitting there complaining and, and not realizing that no one asked you to yeah. work in pro-racial yeah. justice work. If that resonates at all, maybe think about how it plays out in your life as a whole and how you could be braver when it comes to facing a tiny fraction of the hostility that people of color face every day. So exactly. Like it's there because I think that really said that, it. Well. That was offensive. Well, it let us know what you think. <laughs> nah, LGBT thinking about it, I'm like, show. That was so offensive for her. On social media. On Slate.com and write up to the advice column just complaining. Yeah. No, don't, I, write up. don't write me. Thank God she's anonymous. Thank God well, I don't do advice things. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. So you know Humans of New York, right? Well, there's actually an account on Instagram that's called Humans of Bombay. And one of their stories went viral featuring Jay Sharma, who's a foster dad to 38 kids. It's crazy. A video documenting his story definitely will make you cry. It says you don't need to wear a cape to be a hero. That's in the caption. The recording starts with Sharma introducing himself and explaining how he gave up an MBA at the age of 22 to start an NGO. As the pandemic hit, he went on to distribute relief packages among those who needed it and came across a child who had lost his parents. And from that point, he decided to take care of kids who had lost their families to COVID. He now fosters 38 kids. That's a lot. It is, and it's just is, like, remarkable. So I mean, talk about an angel. Like, legally, by the government? Was he able I to foster? I don't know. The, yeah, I mean, he's obviously figured it out. These are kids that would have been otherwise left alone. No, like in the video, he literally takes care of them. You could say it's his own kind of. Is he a billionaire? Okay, I don't know the details. Just focus on the inspirational part. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out the financial part of this because it's just like. (laughs) Well, you can get in touch with him. You're putting them right back into like you know. He obviously knows what he's doing. Does Um, he? It seems like. What if he's like not all the way there and he's just you know you're ruining the ass queen. Very manic. You know, the toxic trait that Ryan had was negativity. <laughs> it was, on truity. 
It was. And now was you're seeing an unraveling one. of that live on the air. Well, no, I'm, I'm very, on a funny, real note. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, I think this is beautiful. I think, you know, people showing up at any point to take care of a kid specifically that are not theirs is just like they get a special place in the good place, as she oh, would yeah. say. So. For sure. So uh, if you want to check that out, just go to the Instagram, Humans of Bombay. And that does it for our Yes Queen of the day. Yes, Queen. Well, we are back next week, weekdays here on Channel Q, live 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Lots going on. We got the news of the day every day. We got the tea report. And we're going to get into how flight attendants are going to their last resort to deal with passengers that are out of control. You've been seeing these duct tape videos. Well, we're getting into what's actually happening on Monday's show. I'm going to try it here in studio. I'm oh, going to duct tape Should I get HR chair. here while you do it? <laughs> Her chair. Hey, maybe I'm into that. Just we're going to try and see how actually, how, does it work or not? That's the real conversation. Actually, this could be a good TikTok. <laughs> hey, okay, if you miss any of our shows or interviews we post everything as a podcast just go to the odyssey app search let's go there and subscribe we're sending you love and light and honey remember to slay now stick around for what's popping with dj alex d right after this bye this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 